Hi, you're listening to Stark Contrast, the Game of Thrones podcast at Movie Fail. I'm Soren Howe, and I'm here with Josh Rosenfield. And uh, today, we're going to be discussing the second episode of Season 6, which is uh, Home. Uh, so, this was this was an episode. <laughs> this it was. This was a thing that happened. It was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I before we get into this, and we it might be hard to talk about this without getting into the specifics of the episode, but I, just as a general thing, I, I saw an interesting article headline that I, I totally did not read, um, but <laughs> I saw the headline, and it said um, that Game of Thrones has sort of... Uh, I don't. It didn't really suggest that it was jumping the shark, but it sort of suggested that there were too many um, twist moments, that they're, 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 they're like filling their episodes with them now, hmm. uh, and making it like really sort of overstuffed with these moments that are supposed to like shock you to the point where maybe it's not having as big an effect. Um, at least that was the gist I got from the headline of this article. But anyway, I thought it was an interesting point, hmm. because um, I had argued for a long time that all these, uh, up, until recent, up until season four, uh, and then season five and season six... Um, the first three seasons start off so slow, and then they pick up steam towards the end. And there's always that sort of curve, and and that wasn't the case with seasons four, five, and six. They had other faults, you know. Certainly, we've talked about them, but they didn't, they didn't do what the first three seasons did. And uh, so I like an episode like this that has a lot of those moments in it because it, I don't know, it's exciting to me. I don't, it doesn't feel, and it didn't feel forced. Like these these moments don't feel like oh, they're just trying to shock everyone with. It, in fact, it feels more forced when you save it for the end of an episode. Yeah. Um, you know, to sort of goad people into watching the next week. You know, that's yeah. what I hear Walking Dead does. You know, that's, that kind of thing. I but completely not... agree. When it, the only time it really, the only thing that gets to me, I don't mind if they have a lot of like shocking. I have an issue with some of the shocking moments in this episode, which we'll get to. Oh. Um, really, just one. But um, what has really been not bugging me, but just kind of frustrating me about the show is how it's so uh, uh, calculating in the way it ends its episodes now. So it'll end, hmm. you know, with this is this kind of keeps happening over and over. Where it'll end on the scene that will launch the think pieces that will carry it to the next week. Um, <laughs> it really, it really does feel calculated and and kind of uh, uh, cynical in, as a ploy to get keep people talking about the show. And like in the final, the final scene, uh, you have right. the thing that everyone's going to want to write about. And obviously, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we got that in this episode um, a little bit. And you know, to a lesser extent, last episode. But even then, you know, how many think how many uh, think pieces did you see about the final scene of the season premiere? I did. I saw yeah, a lot. But, so your, your issue is more with the, the episode structure more than like the pacing of the season? Well, or not even the... You know, I like the pacing of the season, actually, but not even the structure, just the way that it um, it kind of... It's using these final scenes to... Um, to... to induce uh, the think pieces that it that it got so good at inducing kind of by accident in the early years it's it's figured out the formula the magic formula to get people to write about the show whether it's because it's problematic or because it's uh for for whatever reason just the thing that's going to get people writing and talking about the show for a Mm -hmm. week yeah which is funny because game of thrones like dominates the news cycle anyway with whatever happens so i don't like at least in the media world, it seems to like there's 15 articles about. It. Literally, I tried. I tried not to. I tried to avoid what was whatever happened in this episode. Mm. Um, and I flipped on IGN like an idiot, and there's like four <laughs> articles all talking about <laughs> this one episode. I'm like, really? You know, it, if you, I was on like a subreddit that, like, remember last time I was talking about there was a, uh, there's that high quality subreddit that I'm on. Sometimes <laughs> I really got to stop going there because 
in this one, it, it wasn't a, a major thing, but the, the the person we assume is the mountain or the reanimated mountain mm-hmm. or whatever, crushing the guy against the wall. Yeah. That was a gif. I was like, all right, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? So like, you, and that wasn't the, cl- that wasn't the hook of the episode. That wasn't the, you know, the end thing. Um, and the other thing I'll say is, and then we'll, we'll talk about the actual content of the episode, but the other thing I'll say is the, um, Jon Snow, uh, finale to this is led up to throughout the episode and hinted at so much. And, and so it doesn't feel like, it's not like a surprise, you know, it, it's sort of played like a surprise at the end, but yeah. it's, it, it, it's not like, Oh, I couldn't see that coming. Like you expect it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it didn't. In that, no matter how Jon Snow came back, it was going to be news. It's news, but it didn't feel news, and like it didn't feel manipulative throughout the episode. It felt very natural. Um, and I've got to give it. I've got to give it to the director again on this because I, I thought this episode was maybe even better than the last one. Uh, and it's amazing because we we really didn't like his episodes last season. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny to. He's definitely improved in a number of ways. For sure, for sure. So, um, anyway, but let's uh, let's get into the episode itself. All right. Um, well, we start in, uh, the nor. well, I don't know, uh, I'm never sure how accurate these Wikipedia summaries are and how they structure the episode, but it says we start, uh, in the north with Ramsey. Um, oh, we, we, I'm pretty sure we start with, um, with, uh, Bran. Oh, so let's talk about that then. Yeah, we start with Bran. Um, so, uh, and I don't know where he is. Where is he's, like, somewhere south of the wall or north of the wall? He's, or? yeah, he's beyond the wall in the... Uh, he's even further yeah. okay all right well so um so this was cool this was really cool actually i like this mm. um so this this episode opens with a flashback and i haven't liked i didn't like the last flashback they did um with uh cersei mostly because there wasn't really any context for it except for you know she's worried about her kids or whatever i guess it was supposed to contextualize her actions last season um and I think that's how last season opened, right? Yeah. Uh, in this case, I think it worked really well, and it's also it's a very clever device because now they can expand on uh, backstory and things that they wouldn't they weren't able to do before with sort of almost prequel type um, content by using Bran and and uh, the Three Eyed Raven, I guess is what they're calling this. Uh, Mm-hmm. character now uh or what i guess that's what we were calling before but i i, I wasn't aware just this is the old guy in the tree <laughs> who they've now replaced with uh with uh max van, uh van Sidow. yeah and and by the way uh they're just i i mean <laughs> i feel like this maybe he's maybe he has a bigger role but it seems like such a strange thing to recast a person who basically sits in a tree yeah i mean hopefully he has more to do than just kind of sit around and say a few lines to Bran every episode. So presumably right. he will, because, you know, yeah, we talk about how much faith I have in the show versus you. Um, <laughs> I have enough faith in the show that they didn't cast Max von Sydow uh, just to have him sit in a tree for a season. Um, <laughs> so hopefully, they, yeah, he actually does things. Because, yeah, he's obviously, you know, very uh, talented, legendary actor. And, and yet, there was... Doran and uh, that whole thing. That's right. So, so you know, yeah. who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the only time we've seen him out of the tree, he's a bird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not clear if that's even possible because, again, there's nothing to go on now. We're just sort of guessing um, how the three-eyed raven works and 
anything about Three-Eyed Raven. Uh, is the Three-Eyed Raven supposed to be a, a, a child of the forest or no? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, because let's talk about the, the children of the forest. They they got a radical redesign between seasons. Did they? Because I don't remember what they looked like before. Literally, the first the, the first one we saw in, at the end of season four was just like a ten year old girl covered in twigs and leaves. Um, and now they got this they're they're this whole like prosthetic and makeup things. Not clearly, you know, not a child. I, I don't think. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they cast an adult uh, woman in this role. Mm-hmm. So I was baffled when they first appeared. I was like, what is? Who are these people supposed to be? Because they look nothing like the child, children of the forest as as they were introduced to us, and they never explained anything about the children of the forest to begin with. So, to... no, the, literally, the only reason I know about children of the forest is because I watched uh, one of the extras on the first <laughs> season Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and it like goes into the whole history of the children of the forest. It's really cool, but mm-hmm. I don't know how anybody would know anything about. It. So they were there, and then the the men came and killed them, or yeah, something, something happened? like that, yeah. Something like that. So they were they were there first, and that's why they're considered the old gods or mm. whatever, right? So, and apparently they're real. Uh, so that's cool. Um, and actually, back back when I saw that, I was like really excited to see the children of the forest. So far, they haven't really done anything. But um, yeah, this scene is weird because it kind of assumes th- <laughs> it's as though they forgot that they skipped a season with Bran because uh, right. it just kind of it picks up right back in the middle of the storyline and just it's as if nothing happened, exactly, right? and we're just kind of. You know, it assumes that we know what's going on, that we know who the children of the forest are, what Bran is doing with the memories. Um, you know, but we have no, we we don't have anything, and presumably they'll get into that as we see more flashback. I really like the flashback, by the way. I I initially I thought it was supposed to be Bran and Rob, uh, just because of the visual similarity Me to too. the yep. to the pilot, and um, so I like the reveal that it's uh Ned and Benjamin and uh, and Lyanna who comes who comes back. And and I don't I wasn't hungering for Hodor backstory, but I think it's cute. Yeah. That, I think it's cute that they that they put that in. And how about that casting? He looks exactly like him. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I, I was actually it freaked me out a little bit. I was like, is this like his kid or like? I was very it was weird. I was uh, I was those. really expecting at the end of the scene for like a bucket to fall on his head, and then they say, Willis, are you okay? And he and he can only say Hodor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's interesting that they're even bothering to explain any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Cons- yeah, considering I, what uh, they're not explaining in this scene. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and and I think they're, they're the implication is they're going to do more of this. The other thing is, are we, are we supposed to assume they've been doing this flashback stuff or like whatever he's been in this tree or learning for a year now? Well, I don't know how or... much time is supposed to have passed. <laughs> Uh, through season five, older, it can't have been clearly. I mean, yeah, the actor's clearly older, but then that's right. kind of unavoidable. But yeah, I don't know how much time. Maybe I don't think that much time could have passed through season five. I'm, you know, I'm trying to think back. I don't think, it, it, but then also, you know, the the uh, the parallel timelines are they don't they never really match up, and the show kind of they really don't. that they do, uh, or like it, it tells us to assume that they do because. Uh, they intersect at certain points, and even when it doesn't really make sense, given how much we've seen of these characters and how far they've we know them to have traveled, but so so that's just a general problem. That's always been a problem with the show is that the timelines for these characters well, I mean, never, yeah, can't consider, match up. Consider everything with John has happened over the course of like two nights or three nights. Yeah. Meanwhile, everything else has been going on. You know, in all these other storylines, clearly more time has passed. So yeah, it's it's best not to like to try and pinpoint it. I just 
was curious if he's been practicing for this long or has been getting trained for that long. Um, it's just kind of interesting. Mm. I will say this, though, um, in terms of an older Isaac Hempstead Wright, uh, I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, he's good. In this, in this, Yeah, but I didn't love him before. I mean, he was fine, but I actually, and I don't know if I love him now. You know, I have to see more of him, but uh, I thought he sold that whole scene. He, he, and it was a lot of um, uh, wordless communication about, you know, when he's seeing his dad and his uncle and his aunt and all that stuff, and he's so interested in what's going on, and there's that, like, sense of intelligence. Also, it's Bran walking, which we haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> so that was kind of. I you just know, realized he got that. to like walk around with his with his hands behind his back and like you know sort of investigating and I don't it just felt more like Bran actually from the first season mm-hmm. uh, who we haven't really seen uh, for a long time so yeah I dug this uh, I, I dug this I dug this moment and I also found it interesting that um, the implication that he's going to be going out later and uh, uh, that he's going to need help I think that whole thing is really intriguing I, I don't know how he's going to fit into the rest of the story i still don't know how his anything his narrative is doing has anything to do with what's going on elsewhere but i'm very mm. curious to see it yeah i'm very curious too it's uh so it's strangely detached from the rest of the stories so we'll see where it goes that, that is that it is but then so is Arya's story yeah which is you know what's so funny though like and i know i'm sure we've talked about this before but the Starks were the like the anchor for everything, and now they're sort of <laughs> on the periphery, and we're focusing on other characters. That's true, yeah. Entirely, um, you know, like the the Lannisters were like antagonists, and now they're they're not protagonists, but they're the people. You know, we spend time with exclusively them, mm-hmm. uh, even just in this episode. So, um, I will say the one thing I really so so that shot with Mira when she's like looking out over the snow. Yeah, like this whole episode is so pretty yeah i was gonna uh, say that shot is very very good that that shot's gorgeous and i i don't know how much it you know i don't know that any of these shots like mean anything but they're just they're just really pleased so gregory middleton did the cinematography for this and um the last episode and the other two episodes that uh jeremy Podeswa did so i guess they they work together um so. but uh i really dug this um the this this whole episode had a lot of really uh awesome Awesome shots, and uh, we can probably talk about it a little bit later. There were a couple of moments that I really, I really dug, um, but I just, th- especially this scene, and I think it looks like they shot on location somewhere. They I couldn't must tell have. if it was. Or, well, I, I, that's probably not too hard to build a set and do a green screen, I guess. You could. It's small. I mean, it's just a cave and yeah. you know snow, but it if it's green screened, it looks perfect. I mean, it looks amazing. Yeah. So especially on a show really that struggles with special effects on occasion and green screen, <laughs> which we'll get to later in this episode. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Um, so <laughs> then we uh, we go back to um, to the wall. I, and, I don't think uh, we're back at the wall till the end of the episode, right? No, no, we go to the wall quite a few times. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yes. See, this is you know I watched it yesterday, so yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so fresh in my mind. And also, I took notes in chronological order. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so I just all I have is uh, this. I'll clean it up. This freaking kid better die. Referring to Ollie, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, the uh, there's this showdown that happens between Alistair for like Alistair and uh, the Onion Knight for about five seconds mm-hmm. um, before the wildlings show up. So it turns out that it, that is where uh, uh, where they were looking for help, and uh, it's a great scene, uh, and I and I really liked it. 
at the same time, I was really just kind of astonished at how kind the Wildlings were to the Night's Watch. Both because they don't like the Night's Watch and because if they're supporting Jon Snow, then like they killed the Lord Commander. Well, that that's that's corollary to my problem with the scene, which is that the Night's Watch just like threw down their weapons almost immediately. Um, you would think, knowing what we know about the Night's Watch, and especially these members of the Night's Watch, the ones who allied with Alistair, that they would like be itching to go at it with the Wildlings. Well, but that's what's so important about last episode, where they, that scene we sort of skipped over when we were discussing the um, what was going on, but where they all are accusing Alistair of being a traitor mm-hmm. because he stabbed, you know, Jon Snow with with the other um, traitors. Uh, they're really pissed off, and he sort of quells them, but he doesn't. I don't think he sold them on it. And I was actually mm-hmm. happy to see them throw down. Their, to me, that was more of an indictment of of Alistair than it was like a. Uh, you know, giving up on your convictions, kind of thing. I think they they were kind of like, yeah, no, you're right. We're uh, we're not going to fight and die on behalf of these people who took you know Lord Commander's life for you know their own personal reasons. Because um, I don't think a lot of the people in the Night's Watch really would argue that they you know I'm sure some of them think you know we're getting their heads around it, whatever. They weren't as 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 incensed about it as Alistair was. And the other thing is. Uh, they barely held the wildlings off when they were outside the wall. You know, that was almost a complete disaster the first time. So, like, I can imagine they're like, you know what? There's not many of us left. It's not even worth it. We got other stuff to worry about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, to me, uh, to me, it worked. It worked. It was fine. It was just, I was more surprised by the wildlings not taking advantage of this and or, you know, they're like, oh, let's throw Alistair and Ollie and the rest of them into a cell. I'm like, a cell? <laughs> really? Could you at least kill Ollie? I was hoping Ollie would rush, and that would be the you know that he would die. But then <laughs> what can you do, huh? No, um, too much to hope for, I guess. Too much to hope for. So then we we sort of buzz away from that and go to um, Cersei, and well, first we go to uh... well, it's the scene in with the uh, the pe- the peasants talking, right? It's the peasants talking, and and by the way, I, so I'm going to get to this when we talk about the mountain. But I really liked One One's kill in that scene. We didn't even yeah, we didn't even touch on that. That, was, but that, that is that was hilarious. Cool. Um, there's a lot. There's a couple of good kills in this episode. Uh, the mountains and, and One One both have really good ones. So I I, uh, I just wanted to point that out. So the conflict is short, but it's it was highly entertaining. Plus, I think they also sort of gave up when they saw a giant inside the gate. Like, what are you supposed no, to do with that? Yeah, every, yes, <laughs> it's kind of intimidating. Um. But in any case, so then we so we see the peasant uh, talking about Cersei, and it's like a he's being super gross. Uh, but here's something that I find so funny about this show that it's totally missed, I think. Uh, so you remember last episode I was talking about the shot in uh, Marine, where I thought, oh, this really feels like a lived-in place mm-hmm. because it was like some random area that doesn't have any meaning or any purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the same way about this scene because while they're talking about main characters, which is still pushing it for me, this is these are just random like peasant characters talking about stuff. And I'm really surprised that Game of Thrones doesn't use that more often to yeah. make these feel like real cities. I completely agree, yeah. Because they do it in Rome, which is an HBO show. They did it in Deadwood, which is an HBO show. 
And they felt like real places. Deadwood felt like a real place. Rome felt like a real place because they were constantly going to the town crier or to the, you know, news guy would be walking by or saying something or, you know, random people would be talking. And then it just felt like a place. And in this, it's only main characters going from point A to point B, which, you know, then it's like, well, is, does anybody else live here aside from extras? <laughs> you know? No, um, I, yeah. so I like this. I like this. That's exactly why I like this scene. I, you know, it's really cool to see uh, what the common people think of these characters who we're so well acquainted right. with because we spend so much time with like the royalty of this world the best known people in this world but we right. never really get an impression of how they are perceived by most other people to, right. so to see right. that and uh, you know I guess we kind of saw that you know in a way with the scene of Cersei's walk um, but it's really cool to be removed but it was in direct relation to her exactly yeah well to to have a scene that's not from her perspective or anyone, any other main character's perspective, that's just the way that she is seen by, uh, you know, the people of King's Landing, the regular people of King's Landing, the way that those people behave uh, not in relation to the royal power struggles that are always defining this show. They, they don't really anymore, but, the, you know, the royal politics, etc., uh, it's right. you know well the house is you know the major yeah house it's what it, I, what the scene is really saying to me is like the stuff that this show spends time on like this has really no impact on most of the people in this city right it doesn't matter to these people you know if there's a right. Lannister or a Baratheon or a Stark or whoever in charge because their lives are still going to be terrible and they're gonna you know just die at 29 from some terrible disease right. uh, or or starve to death because of some political uh, alliance or betrayal that they have no control over. It's right. just, you know, life is miserable for these peasants, and <laughs> we don't really, the show has no, you know, I think it, it's demonstrating an understanding of that in this episode, but previously it hadn't. Right, and so I think that that was really good, and it, it's also what he says, so it's horrible, what he's saying is like, you know, sexist and terrible and, mm. you know, gross uh, about Cersei, but the way he's like, and I'm not... <laughs> it's horrible because I'm not trying to like say it's a, what he's saying is is awful, just to put that down. But he's diminishing Cersei, who we were made to we really were made to feel her pain and 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 the shame walk and all that was like really hard to watch and it was awful and sad and and it you know there were all these pieces written about it as you were talking about think pieces you know it was a really hard thing to watch and it was really impactful and then here it's reduced by this guy to just, you know, a naked woman was walking down the street. Yeah. You know, and I, I, in some sense, I could see how somebody might be upset with that. In another sense, like, that is exactly what would happen in real life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that is exactly, somebody, you know, like, anytime something cool happens, somebody will reduce it to the, like, most base, stupid, you know, basic thing. A, because they don't care. B, because, you know sexism apparently exists in uh in healthy doses among the peasants and the royalty in uh in in the game of thrones world etc etc and so it just it contextualizes things and 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 sort of uh knocks down the the royalty of peg like like you were saying yeah i like there's um the stephen sondheim musical assassins there's a song called how i saved roosevelt which is all these kind of random people um boasting about how uh, they were the ones who thwarted this assassination attempt on uh, FDR because, you know, if if I had, you know, if I had moved a step to the left, uh, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't have missed his shot. And they're all kind of, you know, to explaining to the press uh, to get attention, basically. And because mm -hmm. that's what people do if there's some media, you know, extraordinary event that they're a part of. 
of course that's what they're going to do. They're going to explain how they were actually a key part of it. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> because people are just drawn to that attention. And that's exactly what this guy is doing. He's, he's explaining how he was uh, an important part of this thing uh, that everyone in the city was a part of. But he's like, no, but this is this is what really happened to me personally. Right. He's making it a better right. And I was there, and I was a part of it. I touched it. I was, you know, yeah. was, you know involved. Yeah, exactly. And then the um, mountain. I love God. I I am so in love with the shot of the mountain smashing his head on the wall because it's so fast. He, oh yeah. He just he just the mountain walks in front of him and just like, and that's it. Yeah, this whole shot is. I mean, as soon as I noticed the cinematography in the beginning with that uh, that shot with Mira, I started paying attention to it throughout. I love the shot. It's it's you know it's uh, claustrophobic. It's in this sort of tunnel, um, but it's so good. Mm. It's such a good uh uh shot where like you know it positions him just right and it's interesting it has you know the mountain and this guy off to the side um they give that perspective shot where he like sort of looks up the mountain who's much much bigger than he is um yeah the whole thing was was uh i I really like that and it also uh set up what i thought was going to be a conflict just a little later with cersei and the and the guards Hmm. um which we didn't actually we didn't get which i'm sure we'll get something like that a little later um, but they're clearly trying to set up this character, who I'm assuming they're they're going to make it a reveal when it turns out to be the mountain. I, I don't know. Um, do yeah, that. I don't know if we're supposed... Like, it's pretty clear, I think. So I don't know if we're supposed to understand that or if it's going to be a reveal. I think it's... Like I said, I think it's pretty clear. Um, just one more thing. I, I like that the mountain is, a, is an SJW. Um, <laughs> he's a total white knight. Do you think? <laughs> Um, more of a gold color, I would argue, but yeah, no, you're, you're right. No, it's, um, it's cool. I like the fact that Cersei has, like, a personal guard that has no chance of really turning on her. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a cool idea. And I also, <laughs> I like how the guards were not liking their odds when there were, like, <laughs> ten of them and one of them. Yeah, that uh, was a great moment where, yeah, there's, like, ten or fifteen of them and they're all kind of, like, reaching for their swords. Right, right, right. And then when he leaves, you know, they're all like, breathe aside and leave. <laughs> and he didn't even go for his sword. Yeah. He wasn't even, he was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So, yeah, so there's a lot of Tom and Cersei dynamic sort of implied and talked about here, and then uh, then they actually meet a little bit later. Um, but it's interesting to pick this up now because I feel like Tommen wasn't, that relevant in the last half of last season and then suddenly he's become more of a character again yeah like the last thing i think we saw him do is sort of challenge the faith militant but not really and then give up <laughs> yeah. and then leave tommen is a and character, then the rest yeah. of it was about cersei and, and his wife yeah he's tommen's getting kind of lost in the shuffle of just you know it, it's a problem ultimately of, of the great cliche of there are so many characters on this show i think mm-hmm. in general it balances that well but tommen is a great example of a character who's really just you know, he gets lost in the in the constant focus and refocus and refocus of everyone in King's Landing and everyone all over the all over the globe. Um, we just lose track. Well, of that him. and I don't know what they know if they know what they want to do with him. Yeah. Still, I feel like they're kind of treading water on that front. Uh, yeah, which is interesting because as the king, you would think that um, he should he should really be at the center of everything that's going on. Um, maybe that's a maybe that's a part of the point. Well, but... yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, I mean, and it's interesting. So the way their conversation ends, I'm sort of skipping over the Jamie part, which we'll talk about in a second. But the uh, the way their conversation ends, Cer- Cersei and Tommen, he's basically ashamed of 
himself for not being more cutthroat and evil, mm-hmm. I guess, or sort of going beyond his comfort zone and doing something uh, kind of uh, aggressive. And he says he wants her to, you know, teach him or help him do that. And I guess what they're setting up is that he's going to break bad or something with her and he'll die as a result. And then the prophecy will be true or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I think guess that's right. what they're doing. I still don't know what the purpose of this is. I, yeah, I mean, well, I think ultimately it's all it's all uh, to Cersei, right? It's, it's all to Cersei, it, right? It, it, to do something rash or crazy, or yeah, or maybe turn good because she's like, well, I, you know, going bad has lost me three children, so <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to do. That would there. be an, a Cersei redemption arc would be an interesting direction to go at this point in the show. Um, it would be. I don't know if I'd mind it, and I don't know if you'd have to go redemption, but maybe neutral, do something. I mean, clearly they're building to some sort of showdown with the High Sparrow, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting as well. Um, speaking of, so the scene in, so they go to the to uh, Marcella's uh, uh, funeral, and so that was those eyes. You're right. They finally explain they, those those weird, stupid eyes. They do. It's a kind of a weird explanation, but yeah. And uh, they also don't seem to know who did it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, it was definitely Cersei. I'm like, how does nobody know that the Sand Snakes were on your boat? Yeah, they they have not addressed who is the murderer. On a, and it's supposed to be like a mystery to them. I'm like, why are you, do you not know this? Mm-hmm. They killed Marcella and then, well, I guess maybe they probably, maybe they don't think that the Sand Snakes would attack one of their own. But that seems odd to mm-hmm. me. Um, and then that also means, so getting back to... Let's just quickly address the Tristane thing, because you and I spoke privately about this. Mm-hmm. Last season, we talked about it, and apparently Tristane was also on a boat, and we assumed that Jamie was going to take him political hostage or something, or at least I said that, I think, um, once Marcella died. And so he was going to be like a hostage, and then that was going to be a negotiating piece. And then they got rid of him, I guess, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, but, like, Tristane just was calmly painting rocks... <laughs> You know, no suspicion about the sand snakes. No worry about how they. Yeah. <laughs> Does Jamie not know that the sand snakes killed Marcella? I mean, he. Mu- I mean, I-, I think he must assume, right? Because who else could possibly have? Yeah, but then of course, why isn't he like on a ship back to Dorne already? I guess he stays for the funeral or whatever. But he, d- but he hasn't like said it. He hasn't been like, "Hey, Cersei, by the way, it was the sand snakes." We <laughs> yeah, we got to do like, something about Dorne, war. by the way. Yeah, or something. It's very weird. Maybe, maybe they'll touch on that next episode, but I agree. It's strange that they, you know, that hasn't been their immediate reaction. It's so bizarre. Um, but, so all of that aside, so Tristane was there, but the Sand Snakes, so I guess the Sand Snakes might be in King's Landing now? Yeah, that's still not clear. Their location is still completely unclear. They're going to show, it's going to be really stupid. They're going to show up in some stupid moment and kill someone. and going to be like, really? Where did they <laughs> even come from? Um or they're just gonna walk around killing people or something. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be stupid. Uh, so, um, the scene in the crypt, or in the, it's not in the crypt. I guess it's in this like in the sept, space. yeah, in the sept, right? So, uh, what what do you think of this? Um, I feel like it's a variation of the same scene we've gotten with the High Sparrow like a lot. Yeah. So I just. It was a little. It's a little boring. I mean, I love Jonathan Price. I, I really love him as the High Sparrow. He's a great actor, and he, he's very good in the role, and sure, everything. Yeah. But it's like, like we know that things are tense between the Lannisters and 
and the sparrows <laughs> at this point. We don't really need yet another five-minute scene of one of them talking to the high sparrow about how, oh, I don't like what you're doing. And he says, oh, but, well, we're doing it. <laughs> and then he walks away. And we've, we've seen this five times already. We get but it. But he doesn't know... Does was was Jamie there for the High Sparrow rise? No, he was in Dorne all season, so I guess this is their first meeting, but they don't really yeah, do anything so think, new with it. I think they were basically just they didn't, but I guess they were sort of more overtly threatening him. Uh, so first of all, we didn't see Jamie again. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, uh, is he gonna die now? Is this gonna be like a like a moment where 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 Jamie dies? Hmm. It was very weird. Like I couldn't tell if he was threatening him or he's like, no, 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 you're gonna just die now. It's over. And then they cut away, and then they never cut back. And I'm like, what What just happened? So I actually don't know what happened with them. <laughs> <laughs> we never saw Jamie again. Maybe he's dead. Um, <laughs> I don't think they would do that to the character. But it's just, you know, it was a weird thing to leave on, because they were like, no, 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 you can't get out. We are going to kill you. And then he just walks away. Well, the impl- well, I mean, the what he's saying really is like, if you kill me, they'll kill you. So as a st- it's like it's your move basically, and he walks away when he really when he yeah. But then he says like you know, but I would kill you first. And he's like, well, I know you know like I know you would. And it's like okay, so basically you're saying I don't care if I die, I just want you to die. But then that doesn't actually happen. I, th- I just thought it was a little strange. The other thing I find weird, and we've talked about this in the past, but I just want to bring it up again because it continues to be relevant. This ninety nine percent rhetoric is really strange. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> like. And it's so it's really weird. And yeah. Like I don't know if it. Well, it's look, an American these, show. These, these big budget Hollywood entertainments. This is just like The Dark Knight Rises. They are obsessed with taking these ninety nine percent Occupy Wall Street narratives and making them the villains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's weird, huh? It's weird. Like, yeah. It's weird how all these rich corporations uh, see those movements that way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, um, no, but I just find it funny that because like. You know, not to get political, but like I, you know, I, I, I'm sympathetic to some of those, some of those arguments. And so then when he's talking about, you know, he's like, none of us have names, and like, you know, there's more of us than there are of you, and mm-hmm. we can affect change. I'm like, that's correct. That's how democracy works. <laughs> but like, but on the other hand, he's threatening to kill this guy, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's not. And then I'm also like, why are we rooting for the, you know, oligarchs? You know, the the royalty in this situation. Exactly. Maybe yeah. Maybe they're trying to muddy the morality. Yeah, like clearly, the Lannisters are not good people, mm-hmm. but clearly also this High Sparrow and their people are kind of self-righteous and all. Yeah, well, it's mixing up the sparrows. It mixes up like yeah, the um, the uh, kind of quasi-socialist rhetoric, but also there's like religious fundamentalism. Yeah, uh, and in there too, and and that's that vein of extremism. So it's mixing up a lot of weird like um, American boogeymen with these guys. It's it's a strange it's just strange all around. I agree. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what it's coming to. Uh, I think it's interesting to have a an element of the show that it's the people, not any one house or group, but like mm-hmm. the people themselves. Uh, but then you know, ultimately, it's still not the people because it's not like they're operating as a as a group. They're operating under the guidance of a figurehead uh, you know the, the high yeah. sparrow so it's still it's not that different than like a house threatening you so I, it's kind of a it's weird we'll leave that aside but i just i i just wanted to comment on it because i just find the whole and it was weird when they did it a couple seasons ago and i and i actually thought they were like oh they're making an interesting point um 
but I, I don't know where it's going, and I'm still sort of lost on that. The only difference here is that, again, we didn't, you know, Jamie uh, hadn't met the High Sparrow before and didn't know about this whole thing, I guess. So hmm. I guess we got that. Right, yeah. Um, so from there, uh, we have a scene with Grey Worm and Varys and, uh, and Tyrion and Missandei. Right. Yeah. Okay. So this. Yeah. Okay. This happens next. Um, <laughs> this was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing I thought was kind of interesting that I hadn't really considered is that, or maybe we talked about it before, but I don't recall. I say that a lot, but I really, I, I feel like there's a good chance we probably did. But it's interesting that now Varys is in the same region. Uh, he has something in common with Grey Worm and the. Uh, oh, and they did that. not hesitate to to crack about that, did they? Nope, it was immediate. Yeah, it was the first, as soon as those it characters got in a room together, it was the first line. Immediate, and they're both like, eh, you know. Um, and Tyrion's just like, you know, like, you know, get at me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say stuff. Yeah, uh, so this was sort of a, a a throwaway scene. I didn't feel like there was much going on there except for it prompted his <laughs> random visit to, to dragons. Yeah, well, yeah, so let's let's jump right into the dragon scene um this season is uh predictable in many ways we'll get to one at the end of this episode okay and yet in many other ways (laughs) just impossible to predict um for some reason and and, and the pacing is really uh what's throwing me off because this show is kind of notoriously slow in the past. I feel like in season three, it would have taken three episodes of visiting the dragons to get this oh, final yeah. payoff. But oh, no, yeah. it's just immediate. He just walks in there and talks about, he's like, oh, I, I like dragons. And the and the dragons like him. <laughs> and that's, yeah. you know. Well, so I don't know if that. they like him so much as they see him as a means to an end. I mean, we'll see, you know, that's probably true. But um, they they didn't kill him is more what I meant. Right, 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 right. And, you know, honestly, in the trailer, I really, because there was a trailer for this where they, they showed this scene or alluded to it, and it, I thought he just dies here. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, this is where Tyrion dies or gets wounded or something. Nope. Nope. He just frees him and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say he was brave as, so remember, Danny did this. Yeah. Or tried to. And she went down, or I don't know if she was going to free them, but she was going to do something with them. And she was like super freaked out by the dragons. And Tyrion just walks up to them and talks to them, and they're about to breathe fire, and he still doesn't care. And then he just walks up and touches them, and then opens the thing and lets them go. Mm. And they're huge. Yeah. And they're still down there. Like, they're not gone. It's not like he let them out. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. This is... Okay. So, <laughs> I do have to say this. I have to say it. Um, go for it. This, I, fe- I, hope, I hope deeply that this is setting up... Um, my my theory that every episode this season is going to confirm a dumb book theory. Um, <laughs> I really hope this is confirming, this is setting up a confirmation of the dumb book theory that Tyrion is secretly a Targaryen. Okay, but I, I've heard this before. <laughs> How does that make any sense? I don't even remember the logic behind it, honestly. I really don't. But there's a theory that he's a secret Targaryen, and um, he's gonna, like, ride a dragon in the final battle. <laughs> And Tyrion on a dragon. I huh? really hope, I really hope that this is setting that up as something that's actually going to happen. You know what they're going to do by the end of the season? What? They're going to have these two dragons ha- uh, have a baby. 
and then he's going to ride the baby <laughs> at the end. Oh, that would be such a good ending. Such a good ending. That would, I actually would really enjoy that. It would be completely <laughs> ridiculous, but I would actually enjoy that. Because he said he wants a little, you know, a little dragon. Yeah. Like him. Who wouldn't? Um, sorry, say it again. Who wouldn't? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, you know, in that story, actually, I like that story. It was sweet. Yeah. Um, it's just the whole scene was kind of odd. I thought the dragons looked fine. Mm. Um, I know we've had that problem. It in the helps past, that they're in darkness. <laughs> yeah, as we've said, they tend to do better when they're not in the bright open uh, yeah. air. Uh, speaking of, by the way, of dragons, we didn't get any uh, any Danny this episode. Yeah, that was that was weird. It, it's weird to you know. I remember is re- that's in season two. Season two kind of went on and off with her. I remember, but it's been a while since we've had Danny like kind of get downgraded to the second to the B plots. Mm. Uh, so it's that's kind of strange. Well, I mean, I feel like Danny had a lot of B plot stuff for a lot of seasons, uh, because it was all just. You me- I mean, we really suffered through a lot of really boring <laughs> politics and marine and wandering, wandering in the, the desert. desert. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that was considered. A, you know, she was only really a plot in the first season. Mm. That's, that's the last the season, I think. It's awesome. Last season? I'm pretty sure she was in almost every episode last season. Was she? Okay. Yeah, I guess more stuff happens. But even then, I mean, her f- big finale is the thing in the arena and all that. And, eh, I don't know. Mm. Whatever. She's she's been she's definitely been shuffled around a lot. And you know, I think that they, I think George R. R. Martin had that problem in the books, from what I understand, where like they didn't he didn't really know like when are we gonna get her back? Like I need to basically give her things to do until she can come back to Westeros. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Uh, so, and so in the movie, in the, sorry, in the show, they've had that same, that same problem, but now again, they're not beholden to the book so they can do more stuff and yet they're still, they're still doing this for now, but I, I'm going to withhold judgment until we see more of her, her, her plot arc. Um, I guess because instead of getting her, we got Bran. So there you go. (laughs) Um, so then, uh, we get a brief scene with Arya and, uh, Jack and Hagar. Yeah. Basically just redux of last scene, but with a different ending. Redux, but now she's going back to stay in House of Black. And do White, more, yeah. Again, another great example of the pacing this season. This would have been dragged out so much longer in other seasons. I feel like. Right. Although, if you consider what's happened so far, she's basically, you know, got beat up a couple times and then. I know, but I feel like in, if this was season four or five, this episode would have ended with the way he just doing the exact same thing, thing again and then saying something cryptic. To leave us for next, <laughs> and then next week, you know, Jacket would appear and finally take her back, and then they would open the door. Yeah, in the one after that, and then after that, they would walk inside. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. I think that's actually what happened in season was it five? I think that's literally that what funny. happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was slow. Um, <laughs> I will say I'm a little tired of this no name thing. Like, how many times are we gonna do this? Yeah. It's. it's... I mean, how many times does she have to prove this? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get it, you know, she's really sad about not being able to see. I also find it, the other thing I find a little hard to accept is that, like, we found her, we didn't even talk about how she ended up here, but she went blind, mm-hmm. and then she just became a beggar. Yeah. And then, like, it doesn't seem like Arya at all to just not try to learn how to function as a blind person. Hmm. Yeah, they, they, they really, I think they, I think they rushed through this, honestly. And I know I just uh, I know I just complimented the pacing of, yeah. of this for being you know better than it could have been. Right. But I agree that you know why even make her blind? Honestly, if this is if this is all you're gonna do. Well, I don't know that she's gonna be, 
she might still be blind. Well, that's true. I guess so. I don't. I, don't, I, I, I assumed that this would, you know, we didn't see it, but I, I assumed that they would bring her back and uh, restore her sight because she had earned her sight back. But you know, you're you're right. They it's possible well, that that's not, not what happens because then it makes blindness a punishment. Exactly. Yeah. Which it already kind of is, but it, if you turn it into an asset. Then it has meaning. Well, you would assume that that positive. was that would be part of the assassin training. It was like we talked about Daredevil last Daredevil, week. Daredevil, right? But the reason Daredevil is good isn't because like he was you know blinded as a kid. It's because he uses that, and that's why he becomes a superhero. Hmm. That's what's so cool about Daredevil is that his disability is his ability. You know, that's really cool. In this case, if it just they give her her sight back, it's like well, so she was punished by being blind. You know, that's awful. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't seem like Arya's always when she was a beggar, when she was trying to get a um survive in King's Landing, she was hunting for herself with like rats and stuff. She was always doing something proactive. And in this case she's like just a beggar. Hmm. She wasn't trying to get back into the House of Black and White. She wasn't trying to like collect intel. She wasn't trying to follow people around the city or learn how to walk, because apparently she can't do that. Or fight like a post or anything, she just <laughs> sat there and waited for someone to hit, with her, hit her with a stick again, and it doesn't seem like Arya at all. Yeah. So that was a little weird, but as long as they're moving it forward, whatever, we'll move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, from there, uh, there is... Uh, now we're at Ramsey. Okay. Right. So <sighs> this was a thing. This was... This was a thing that happened. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say it. Uh, this legitimately shocked me. Really? Like legit, you know, I'm used to this show not shocking me because even when it's even when they do shocking things that aren't in the books and I didn't uh, therefore know about beforehand, it usually kind of telegraphs them. Telegraph it, right? Uh, right. I did not see this coming at all. They had been, wow. you know, they had been pretty clearly setting up that he of him killing Walda and the and the baby and we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but um, <laughs> him I I didn't I didn't foresee him stabbing his his father. Uh, mostly because it, you know, if the concern is about his father's heir, then I thought, well, all they need to do is get rid of the wife and the baby, and then he's the rightful heir again. But he's he's being he's going one step further and just just assuming the lordship. Well, I guess I mean he he probably figures everyone's afraid of him anyway. Mm-hmm. He can probably take control of the place pretty easily, which he did. And also, um, he couldn't kill them without being suspected. You know, I'm sure his his father was already sort of suspecting him. Uh, you know, like that he might do something because he knows he's nuts. You know, <laughs> so I think there was a there was always that that lingering thing. And so if they had just suddenly died mysteriously, I think they might have put two and two together. I think he kind of just he wanted him to officially make him uh, a Bolton and then say it and confirm it and then with other people in earshot and then just end it because you know why risk you know it, the conflict between him and his father and as we know uh that sort of tension as we see later on the iron islands is uh is like a a long-standing thing and and lords tend to live a long time because they don't go out and fight they don't do a lot of stuff so he would be spending a lot of time under his father's um care instead of you know leading so i think that i understand why he did it and i so i guess i wasn't so shocked by it i guess is really what i'm saying is that i it was a surprising moment i thought it was well well paid like it, the the scene was well paced i didn't it it took me by surprise sort of in the moment but 
logically it, it made sense to me. I don't I don't know. I feel like a lot of what we've seen of Ramsey is him kind of craving his father's approval. So to have him to so to just kill his father seems kind of counter to that to me. I don't I never got the impression he was seeking his father's approval so much as he was he saw it, I think he's pragmatic and saw it as a means to an end and the end was Maybe. over and he's like well, I'm a That's now. boring, though. That's a time? boring character to me. He is a boring character. That's why yeah. he needs to die. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we agree. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely true. <laughs> I just think, knowing that character, I can see why. The only thing person he's ever really expressed um, expressed uh, compassion or interest in was, you know, the the person who died. Miranda, yeah. Season. So, you know. Uh, Which brings us into this next thing he does in this episode. Right, the next thing he does in this episode. So, okay, first of all, why does his... Is she his mother? His his stepmother, yeah. Stepmother. Why does she not know what the kennels are? A, and B, what he's been known to do with the dogs? This scene sucks just in general. (laughs) It's so... It's like... First of all, point one. Like, we get it. Ramsey's bad. (laughs) Uh, we really don't need another yet another scene of him doing something really, really bad. Well, it's not even point. something. It's the same thing we've seen. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. We. I think we've seen him do literally exactly this before. First of all. Um, also, I heard something explode. I, maybe it was just I, my ears playing tricks on me. But like when the dogs go and like attack her and the baby, I heard like a like a water balloon exploding. I was like, that sound effect is incorrect. There's no way dogs would make something explode. That's just weird. Um, and then I tried not to think about it. But then I was like, what are you going to do? Are you going to like stab the baby? Like, how are you going to do this scene? And then they just went with the same old Well, I don't see why... Well, I mean, my problem with this scene, ultimately, you know, aside from the fact that just the notion of, of it is gratuitous, is that they drag it... First of all, they drag it out for so long, they have him walk, you know, inches way down the hall and open every door one by one while she's like, oh, oh, where's Lord Bolton? And she says that over and over while he's just opening the stupid doors. (laughs) And he's, you know, it's like, at this point, did he lock the door behind you? First of all, that should have been my first warning sign if he did. Yeah. Second of all, if he didn't leave, just run away. Exactly. Um, I was kind of thinking, wow, you are not the brightest bulb. But then I also know that she was just some person that Bruce married for, mm. you know. Yeah, but then, like, at, at, basically, at, at literally any point during this scene, you could have cut away and we would have gotten it. That's my ultimate problem with this scene. You could have cut away at literally any frame <laughs> of this scene and we would have gotten the point. But they drag like, it out all the way the to the end. Lock, you know... Being in the knowing you're in the kennels as soon as you know that. Yeah, because you know first of all he's killed his dad, and you know why. So right. you know you didn't even need this scene at all. You could have cut before this scene, and it's like you know when he says fetch fetch Lady Walda and the baby. It's like okay, so we know what he's gonna do. Then they right, cut right, to right. that you know him holding the baby menacingly. You could have cut away there. You could have cut away when they walk into the kennels. You could have cut away when he opens the doors menacingly. Right. It, it's just like the fact that they it's carry because out. I think they the people. I really don't want to, like, diminish the creativity of, you know, whatever, <laughs> people writing the show, but I feel like they, they read about what people liked or what drove, not headlines, but just conversations and discussions, yeah. and, yep. like, people talked ad nauseum about Ramsey's, you know, six-episode-long torture spree, <laughs> uh, 
with Alfie Allen with a uh, you know with Theon. Yeah. And that was a thing. And I think they were like, oh, we're gonna give the audience what they want more. Ramsey being evil. Yeah, but yeah. The, not getting that the reason I think people were interested in that is because of Theon, not because of Ramsey. Well, yeah, and the mystery of it, too. Exactly, yeah. Um, although, as I said at the time, and will continue to say, I could have done with far less of that. That was horrifying. Yeah. Worst part of this show. <laughs> by a month. I would watch Danny wander around a desert for three seasons if I never <laughs> had to see that again. That was awful. Yeah, it, this... You know, and I think it's Joffrey too. I think you know. I think it's the exact True. same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yep. Uh, they need a new. But Joffrey, Joffrey, you know, Joffrey was I like a compelling character. He was very similar yes. to Ramsay in a lot of respects, but he was also compelling to watch. I don't, you know, it's kind of undeniable. He wasn't just this, you know. Every time they cut to Ramsay, it's this like, um, yeah, you know, like Swedish '60s art film about how terrible, you know, it is to be a, a peasant under your feudal lord. <laughs> um, because he'll just, you know, come into your house and cut off both your arms in the middle of the night if he feels like it. Right. It's just, I, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of, well, and also so sick so, of Ramsey. They haven't even tried to one-up themselves. I'm not trying to get them to one-up themselves. That's but true. Like, I think Joffrey stopped being interesting when he when they started trying to one-up themselves with him. Mm. You know, when he started, you know, when he crossbowed the, the prostitutes. I was like, all right. I'm done with this. This is awful. <laughs> like this, you, you're just gonna keep making it worse, and that's not. That's not evil. Like I, you know. It, it's 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 past the limit for me of things that are intriguing. Now it's just horrifying and disgusting to watch. Mm. And it's like I don't I don't need to spend time with that. Then they took it even further with, Theon and and Ramsay and all that, and uh, and now they've just kind of plateaued. They're like, eh, baby, mother, eh, just dogs again, whatever. Um. Yeah. So it's just it feels lazy and like they know it's 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 like a check. It's like they were checking off a list basically. Is what yeah, it's, like. it's weird how it's it, it's lazy because they did you know more than they needed to. Because like I you know like I said they could have just not filmed the scene at all and gotten the point oh, yeah. across and it would have induced the exact same feeling of of dread and misery in the viewer. Oh, I can't believe he killed that woman and her baby because we know what happened. We don't have to see the entire endless build up and then. Uh, Especially with the dogs. We've seen like 20 scenes with the dogs. Yeah. And with the Kennel Master. We know all about all that stuff. Why mm. are we doing this again? Anyway. Yes. <sighs> I, I, The whole time I was like, why is she not leaving this stupid kennel? Oh my god. Um, also, those are well-trained dogs just standing there. And never... <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, from there, we are... Um, we get to see some Theon. Yeah, really, it's really just a a lead into the. Uh, it is to the Iron it Islands. It is, and it it but it's what's interesting here is a I think Theon uh, Alfie Allen gets more lines here than he's had in like three seasons. That's true. He he like ha- he says full sentences <laughs> for a while, and he's like you know I would have taken you all the way to the wall and I wanted to protect you and I can't face them again and you know what about those peasants I killed those farmers kids and and uh, now I'm going to go see my family like whoa <laughs> mm. you had thoughts this whole time <laughs> um, so that was kind of cool and then it yeah you're right it leads into the Iron Island so this was we haven't been there in a while yeah I'm really curious what you think about this so I'll let you go first um well I really like Balon Greyjoy a little R. sad R. about that uh, 
so that was kind of depressing when he died. I really liked um, the scene with. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know what's the sister's name. Yara. Yara. So I like the scene with Yara and Balon. I thought that was cool. Mm. Uh, I thought it was really funny when uh, he said, "What's dead may never die," and then she's like, "What's dead may never die." But they these people died. <laughs> <laughs> like they're so bound by custom that they have to say this stupid phrase again. But mm. then she's like, "Yeah, but it's irrelevant because." <laughs> People died, so I thought that was kind of a a clever little gut punch to the the um, the dressing of this series, where you know they have all these sayings and phrases, and it's all very medieval and traditional or whatever. But then the reality of what's going on hits, and it's it's you know who was really good at that was um was Robert would always undercut some yeah yeah traditional thing with something incredibly uh, base and. Ridiculous. <laughs> Um, and I always, I always like that about his character. He sort of was like one of the normal people in this <laughs> universe. He's like, I don't want to do that. Let's just drink, you know. <laughs> um, so I liked, I liked that moment. I, I like Yara as a character a lot. Uh, yeah. And then this like crazy scene on a. I liked it. I thought it was shot really. Be- I thought this shot was cool with um, Balon and his brother. I yep. guess. Yep. That is um, Euron, Euron Greyjoy, who just shows up. And I was like, "All right, yep. uh, we've never met this character. He seems really young, and I don't." What? Yeah, surprised um, they cast this character real young for a guy who's supposed to be Balon's brother. Yeah, he looks like he could be Yara's contemporary. Or yeah, Theon's. It's weird. Um, we also haven't seen him closely yet, so maybe he's older than we think. Maybe. Yeah, he seemed much younger than Balon. Um, I love the the shot of them on the the bridge. I thought that was really cool. Mm. Uh, and I and I liked. The scene, I like the idea that this guy's like thinks he's the drowned god or is the drowned god or that was a great. Look. I don't know. That was um, I is always this a thing from the books. Okay, well, yeah. Let's just say, um, I didn't. I really did not think they were gonna do this. This is like a whole thing in the books. It's like a whole, <laughs> it's like a lengthy. You know, it cro- it spans across multiple books in in the series. I think anyway. I'd heard we'd spent more time there that than we did in the the show. Yeah, you know, there's a whole thing we're going to get with the uh, the King's Moot with, with Yara and um her, and her uncle and you know, multiple uncles in in the books. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get Victorian. I I think that character's kind of been folded into Euron, but um that's okay cuz Victorian's kind of dumb. He's just kind of a crazy pirate. Um we use use fun in places, but I love I love that he says they this is they kind of alter his line where he says, you know, in the book, it's basically like, you know, I'm the most religious man to ever live. Whenever people see my cells, they pray. So they alter it here, but it's still a really a cool line. It's a cool way to announce this character and what he's and what he's about, which is basically, which is basically a crazy pirate. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, um, we'll see where this goes. It, it's so it's so strange that they're choosing to do this now because. Um, it, uh, you know, I'll just say it. The first time I read the book, I just skipped. I skipped these chapters. I didn't even care. Really? It was just so boring. Even though I, I liked Yara, who's named Asha in the books. Um, I liked her. Oh, right, because of Osha and Asha. Yeah, which is so dumb. Because Osha. When's the last time we saw Osha? Didn't she? Oh, she left. So yeah, we haven't seen her in forever. Died. So, but if anyway. she doesn't show up again, then it was stupid to change her. To not change her name. Yeah, but they're also like they're so completely different characters that it's to think that they could anyone could mix them up is so strange to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get it, but then it's sort of, I guess it's because they thought, oh, people might be discussing them in the same time, but no, they're not. Yeah, exactly. Eh, people don't even know the names of any of the characters <laughs> on the show. I forget half the time. I don't know half of the names, and I'm 
podcast about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, contrast. we have the uh, the death of Balon, which is uh, which was foreshadowed with those three leeches from forever ago. Now all the three kings are dead finally, oh. which is which is interesting because it foreshadows Melisandre's. What? Three what? Remember, uh, Melisandre took um, what's his face, Robert's bastard, um, Gendry. And she put three leeches oh, right. on his body and suck, got the king's blood and then threw them in the fire and said, the, you know, the usurper Joffrey Baratheon, the usurper Rob Stark, and the usurper Balon Greyjoy. Oh, um, okay. And now all three of them. And they tried to dead. bring that up again when he was like, the three kings are dead and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the only king left or whatever. Exactly, yeah. It, it, so it's... Um... But I like that... I like that, So Yara sort of undercuts the tradition with that when she responds to the phrase, you know, what's, what's dead may never die. And then, uh, so does, uh, so does, uh, whatever the, the new guy's You're name on. is. Right. So I, I think that's interesting that the tradition, and then it's, it's brought up again, the tradition of the, the iron island. And I know it's important. It's supposed to be important in the iron islands, their traditions and their, the way they believe, you know, things work and the mm. drowned God and all the rest of it. Um, but I just think it's interesting. They brought it up, they undercut it twice. And then in the end, when she's like, you know, Balon would have wanted me to be, in charge of the Iron Islands, and then whoever that other guy is is like that is no, uh, that is Aaron, Aaron Greyjoy. Oh, which is I I just pronounced it like Aaron, which is funny to me because it's A E R O N, but I like the idea of a guy in Westeros who's named Aaron. <laughs> um, yeah, who's also I think I think is also one of her uncles. Um, but he's like a super devout priest guy. I oh, okay. don't know how much more we'll see of him, but he is also a character in, throughout this plotline. Okay, well, I mean, I guess maybe he's going to be present for the moot thing. The king's moot. Um, the king's moot. Yeah. Which is was moot? I thought did the, did I thought that was a is moot like a term that existed outside of Lord of the Rings? I didn't realize. I think it must be. Yeah, but you I mean, only see it in these like, like in these like moot, medieval fantasies, so it must have been like a you know medieval term. era term. I'm gonna Google moot. I wonder if that's that's where we got like it's moot, like the point is moot came from. I think so. Well, in any case, uh, so because I, I, when I heard that, I was like, is, "Did I hear that right?" Oh, um, I googled Moot, and I got the creator of 4chan. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, there you go. That's <laughs> that's really what they're talking about. Whoops. They're gonna go to 4chan. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's how this plotline ends. Sorry to spoil it for everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's like, you know, that's not how t- tradition doesn't dictate. That's what happens. We're gonna have a Moot, and we're gonna figure out who's gonna rule the Iron Islands. Mm. And uh, I'm assuming Theon's gonna show up, and that's gonna shake things up a bit as well. Yeah, that'll be interesting because so, Theon's not present for this in the books. Oh, okay. So we'll see where this we'll see where the, where this goes in the books. It's a this power struggle between Yara and um, and Euron and Victoria and Victorian. So it's really I think they've they've simplified it to just Yara and and Euron. So yeah, I'm curious about this. It's weird that you know we talked about last week how this is kind of the Twilight days of Game of Thrones. So it's strange to me that they're choosing now to go into all of this when they could have very easily just kind of excised it entirely and forgotten about the Iron Islands. They could have, but I think they're one of the more interesting kingdoms. They're not just I agree. a random place. They're, they're really, like... really interesting to me, actually. So but, I'm, um, yeah. I'm kind of feeling like if they're going to play a role in the endgame, I'm curious to see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. Um... Yeah, but I like, but I just like the scene where it's like raining and he doesn't even, he's old, doesn't care, he's walking on mm-hmm. the bridge, and you know, the whole thing was great. Oh yeah, and by the way, his death in the books is just explained as he fell off a bridge. Oh. Um, so, so here it's explicitly that somebody else. Did yeah, that. the theory, the theory for a long time was that it was like a faceless man assassination. Oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's entirely, you know, yeah, I like that they kind of explain it as his brother pushing him, and this is what I was talking about, about by the way, with he the show. He stabbed him, I think. Um, or yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and, and throws him off the bridge. So this is what I was talking about earlier with the show struggling with green screen. Um, it has a real problem for some reason with um, with shots of people falling. It just always yeah, right. looks bad. Right, right, this right. Was a, this was, it was much worse with Miranda last season, which it looked like they were just kind of shrinking her model. Um, <laughs> it was just terrible. I don't, and they, it's very similar. It's a little better, but it's, they did a very similar thing with Balon. It's just, I don't know what, why the VFX team on the show kind of doesn't have a, you know... They, they they don't know if they don't have a grasp on it or it's just it's something they always seem to struggle with. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's funny because falling shots are tough. Um, I'm sure they are. Even in Lord of the Rings, I think when Saruman falls off the tower, I don't know if that's an extra. That's an I think that's a deleted scene, but yeah, like even there, it's it's a it's it's kind of rough. Although that was also 2002, so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And the other thing too is you got to like match up TV shows in 2016 with like movies from like. 2008 you yeah. know like i'm not sure how you're gonna like you know do what the parody is there but you're right yeah it was yeah and i'm not I, saying that to criticize that the vfx team i know that they you know very talented people who work very hard um <laughs> genuinely you know I'm, i say that genuinely I, you know i understand that the vfx industry is a very difficult industry full of very talented people who often uh don't get to showcase their talent or... for various management reasons right, right, um, right. i only bring it up because it's kind of a recurring theme on this show this specific type of shot Right. I, honestly, it was enough for me. I had it on a big screen in the dark, and it looked, you know, in high resolution at all. It looked fine, but it was. You're right. It didn't. It didn't hold up quite quite so well. Um, fortunately, it was bolstered by that awesome shot of them on the bridge, which I really liked. That whole scene was shot really mm-hmm. nicely, and I like it was like sort of lit by the lightning and yada yada yada. It was cool. Um, so uh, finally, we come back to uh, the wall. Ah uh, yes, and and so first thing I want to just say is we didn't talk about this last um, podcast, but uh, why Melisandre's old? <laughs> or like what that whole like we didn't talk about the meaning of that except for how that scene went. Yeah. So I was thinking that maybe it's sort of a she might have looked like she looks to us or to usually um, originally, and then because she uses the spells, it sort of takes it out of her, or if she tries to do things, it. Like, that's the wear and tear of doing magic. Mm. Or she's elongating her life magically. I can't tell which going on. I think it's the latter, because she's made references in the past to, like, you know, she's been around for a long time or something. I think it's supposed to be that she's old and she's concealing that with magic. Oh, okay. All right. Because I kind of like the idea where, like, it's actually a burden on her. Yeah. Well, it would have been interesting to play into this scene we're going to talk about because in terms of her... Well, right, and so that's why I thought she would be reluctant. Like, she had... It was weird to me, that whole idea I had going into... That's why I brought it up. Going into this when she's like, well, I guess some people have brought people back to life, but I've never done it. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do Mm -hmm. any of that. Uh, Because I was thinking, oh, she's done it a lot of times. That's why she's old because it took life out of her to do it. Like, it was a big stress on her. Mm. Um, But then she's like, no, I've never done that. And I was like, oh... Okay. Um, first thing, though, I like this scene. I think it's really interesting uh, when when uh, Sir Davos goes to her, and it, first of all, it was his idea to talk to her, and it's kind of interesting to see him be like, you know, yeah, I've seen her do things, and then when he talks to her, he's like, you're the one who showed me the miracles could happen, and all the rest of it, and I'm like, you yeah. hate her. Yeah, right? Um, you know? So I, I kind of like it, though. I because he's right, and I think he's desperate, and I think that he believes in Jon Snow, 
Mm. Um, and he really has no one to lead him anymore without Stennis. So he's kind of like, maybe this is the direction we should be going, and the only option we really have right now is is that. I'm a little surprised that he's not more trepidatious about it, and like, this is gonna, you know, Lazarus Pit, you know, Batman, <laughs> you know, type of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Because um, nothing she's ever done has ever been good magic or magic <laughs> led to good things. You know, she gave birth to a shadow baby, which yep. he says. <laughs> and she's still like, no, 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 I still want to do it. Uh, and then the other thing I thought was really cool, just on the flip side of it, is how uh, how much confidence Melisandre seems to lack now. Yeah. She's, she's like, you know, I don't know. Everything I saw didn't actually happen. And she's like, she's lost her faith and her confidence and her own abilities. Yeah, and, and Davos everything. has to kind of talk her back into yeah. having faith. <laughs> The faith that he is so, you know, vehemently denied every time, every time. And he time. still, he still says, well, he hasn't denied that it's not real. He just thinks it shouldn't be something that we, you know, mm-hmm. if the gods are real, they suck, basically, <laughs> which I think is something a lot of people can sort of uh, sympathize with in this, you know, in in the Game of Thrones world, because, and that's how basically knowing all of what we know, if I were in that world, I'd be like, yeah, no, the gods are real, but like they they're horrible, <laughs> horrible. You know, everything they do is sucks. <laughs> Why well, let's yeah. not you know, entertain them, uh, or fight their wars for them and all the rest of it. But, um, I like that he said, and he even says, you know, I'm not religious, but I have seen you actually do things. So let's do a thing. Right. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it was a, it was a neat reversal. So what did you, uh, what do you think of this? So I, again, I, I think this whole episode was the thing we didn't mention earlier is when, uh, Tormund comes in mm. and, uh, by the way, just, all the scenes with Tormund. I just, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he has, like, no lines, or he's just, like, his his skeptical look throughout the entire resurrection scene is pretty <laughs> funny. Um, he's like, what are we doing, right? <laughs> um, so that was cool, but he, he says in the beginning, and it's just what you said, you know, we need to burn the body. Yep. And uh, and I was like, wow, so they're really doing it this episode then. Immediately I knew they were going to do the resurrection, because, I mean, what? Yeah, cause, well, yeah, because we talked about last week how... Um, you you thought they were you still thought they were gonna save it for later in the season? Yeah, I really um, did. I I don't know. I thought they'd freeze them, put them on ice or something. <laughs> you know, I actually thought what they were gonna do, uh, was maybe save it, burn him later, even have him come back as a white and then burn him or whatever, and then he wouldn't be burned by the fire and they do a Targaryen thing. But then, of course, that's not a thing. George R. R. Martin said <laughs> maybe they're doing that in the show and he turned out to be a Targaryen and that was the whole thing they were gonna do, but. Then they just went with the simple, just Melisandre resurrects him. The other thing I thought they were <laughs> setting up is Melisandre's like, oh, well, there's a priest who did this a lot, but I don't really do this. And I was like, oh, are we going to have to wait to go get the priest and <laughs> do that? And she's like, no, I guess I can give it a shot. I'm like, so you know the whole thing already? You're just going to, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so then we get so we get the scene where she's doing the, the spell, and uh, he's all cut up, and she's cutting his hair off, and... Yeah, what did you think of this? Well, I mean, it's exactly what we said was going to happen last season, um, which I think is really funny because uh, even though we knew that this was going to, like, he was going to come back, um, our our theory about how he was going to come back happened, this is exactly what we said. So it's yeah, not even talked about it, yeah. So it's not even that, um, it's not even that we knew he was going to come back, but we didn't know how. I, I was halfway expecting the show to go that route where, you know, he would kind of surprise us in terms of uh, how he comes back because they they kind of whiffed on the surprise of him coming back at all. 
despite all the denial. Have you seen the stupid pieces where they're like, the best kept secret in showbiz? <laughs> you know, like, the creators spill all on how they managed to keep it a secret for so long. Yeah. Even the other cast members Here's how they know. managed to keep I'm it like, a secret. What? They just said the opposite of what was true for eight months. That was uh, their cunning so strategy. And now he's not even a... Now he's not even going to come back and be a different character. He's still just Jon Snow. Oh, yeah, that's right. We said that last week. We were, we were thinking he would come back, but, like, under a different name. He's like, no, like he's John just alive. Stark or... Yeah, he might. To be honest, he might. they might have a whole scene where, like, he's like, no, I'm going to go under a different name now or <laughs> something, you know? Uh, that might still happen, but, like, no, no ceremony, nope. no nothing, and he just comes back he's to still life. He's <laughs> alive. The other thing that was kind of interesting is they, it sort of involves Snow... Uh, uh, not Snow, uh, Ghost in this. Mm-hmm. A little bit, and uh, I was kind of like, "Oh, are they gonna ha- imply that he was warging the whole time?" And yeah, I and kind of think that's what he, they like, were implying. Back into John, I kind of think and that's so. It's what, not yeah. the spell; it's it's the warging, but no, or it's or it's a combination of both. Well, right. yeah, it's weird that they, you know, they have a thing where Ghost wakes up. They focus on Ghost being asleep for the whole resurrection thing. Then Ghost wakes up, and then John wakes up. So they're they're definitely implying a connection between those two things, uh, just because they focus I think on it's, it. But but only because we have this sort of idea in our heads. I think if uh, you're maybe. just watching, you're just like, no, he's a dog, and like dogs know, or he's a wolf, I guess. But whatever, he, you know, they he sensed that his master was yeah. you know, alive. Yeah, you know? I guess. But it's you know, I I found that uh, that structure kind of strange. Um, yeah, I th- I just thought they were gonna go for it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, although so I, I will say uh, they held this they held this for so long that for one full second I thought they weren't going to do it. I, I actually thought so too. The, yeah. Like the thought passed through my mind is like, okay, so maybe this is really is it because they're because they just because they held on it for so long and I think that's you know that's the one success of this quote unquote twist that didn't work. <laughs> that's the one success is that they managed to make even. You know, people like us who knew this was going to happen, who were sure this was going to happen, doubt right. ourselves for the briefest moment. <laughs> um, but of right. course, he's, of course, he was resurrected. We knew this was going to happen. I guess I was more just curious how they were going to do the scene because, like, when it was happening, I was like, "All right, this is going to be it." I was more curious just how are they going to make it a surprise to everyone in the room? Like, are they all going to be walking out the door and then he's going to be like, "Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm back," um, or you know, but they didn't do that. Uh, so. Yeah, what are the odds the next episode doesn't have Jon Snow in it at all? <laughs> well, he's in the pre- he's in he's in the preview for next week. With that, oh okay, so that's out. But that would be pretty funny. It would be really funny if they just didn't do anything <laughs> with him until the last episode. <laughs> um, well, I was actually thinking that uh, the other option, of course, is to open with him and him sort of like trying to figure out what the hell is going on or mm-hmm. how he's alive or whatever. And the other thing too is, um, so that guy who keeps coming back to life, the other. Uh, yeah, Beric Dondarrion. Yeah, so does he just come back to life automatically, or does the priest follow him around and resurrect him every time? The priest follows him around. They're, they're like buddies. Oh, okay. Um, what, right. And it's interesting to note, I don't remember how much of this is in the show, but the book goes into detail about how, like, every time he comes back, there's, like, less of him, how, um, you know, he doesn't remember who he was before he met uh, Thoros of Mir and before he started being brought back to life. He had, he's, you know, he, he had a whole life that is just gone. Um, so we don't know what strings are attached to John's resurrection. We don't know, like, you know. Well, that's what I was wondering. You know, he's going to wander around with these, like, cuts and be like, where am I? Who yeah. am I? What's going on? I actually thought they might have ended this episode with that, with him waking up and then, you know, getting some 
monologue or some brief line like like where am I or something um just to be even more of a cliffhanger <laughs> next uh next next week um but yeah so Jon Snow's back uh and mm-hmm. it's just Jon Snow and nothing's different this is uh so, yeah just like we said the, yeah. I saw a really funny another funny article that was like uh the biggest cliffhangers in TV history and how they were resolved and I had a picture of Jon Snow <laughs> and I was like uh, that was a cliffhanger. Yeah, well, it's I weird. Mean, like, yeah, exactly. There must be a per- at least one person out there who watched that and thought John was dead, and this was a twist, right? There have to be people who genuinely didn't. I think there were a lot of people. I know that when it happened, there were a lot of people who were like, "I'm never watching this show again." Jon Snow's dead. I what's the point anymore? But it's funny that like. A lot of people just immediately assumed that he was going to come back. A lot of people, even even people who might not pay as much attention to the show as we do, even people who might not have read the books, um, they just kind of, you know, put two and two together. Melisandre's back at the Walsh. We know that uh, the Red Priests have the power to resurrect people. Jon Snow's coming back. Um, and I think the failure of this twist ultimately is that it wasn't, you know... Like we talk about with Ned, uh, even though that was a surprise... We felt like that was the end of Ned's arc. It, you know, we did, we know that this this isn't the end of John's arc. It just right. we we can feel it even if we don't kind of consciously understand it. Anyone can feel while they're watching the show that John's story is has not resolved yet. That this can't right, possibly right, right. be the resolution. So to have this scene happen, it's like, well, obviously he you know something's happening. He has to come back because it's just it doesn't make any sense if he didn't. And I guess there's a level which is like, you know, maybe the show really doesn't understand uh, the whole shocking death thing and it's, it'll just kill characters off, you know, willy-nilly for no reason. But, you know, everyone... And I think some people feel that way about it, you know. No, it's... I think some people definitely do feel that way about it. But my point is more that just... And I mean, I'm Actually, not... I feel that way about it. <laughs> well, and I mean, and it's not, like I said, it's not unfair, I don't think. But um, even... Just from anyone, just from having experienced stories through media growing up, uh, from watching movies and TV shows throughout your life, you have an unconscious understanding of the way that stories work. So, like, you watch this happen and you know, you know, that there's more of Jon Snow to go. You just feel that you're not at the end of his arc, as opposed to Ned, who definitely, like, he, he did everything that he was set up to do. He put all his cards on the table. And this is what happened to him. And that, you know, kind of set off a lot of different uh, plot lines. It set a lot of things in motion. Uh, Like, it's just... This twist was never going to work. I think they actually might have been better off killing him in Episode 9 and bringing him back in Episode 10, honestly. Uh, Because, you know, then you wouldn't have had to lie for eight months and have every single cast member tell these blatant falsehoods on every TV show. Yeah, but now that the cast didn't know, even though this happens in episode two, I, I don't know. I feel like there was a, it was all just to keep the cycle going. No, you, you I know. mean it was right. You're right. But that that said, I think it was risky. A because I think a lot of people, there were people who really were like, "I'm done with this. Sh- Why would I even watch it if all the characters who are remotely good die? What's the point?" Uh, so I think it was risky because I think there were some people who. Now they're gonna. They might, you know. I think there are actually people who are gonna hear that he's alive and come back now to the show. Yeah, I think that's no partly joke. why they did it so early in the season. Right. Exactly. Because they wanted to, which I think we t- we talked about. Um. So I think there was that to it. Uh. I don't know if it would have been as impact. I think it was impactful 
even though in the story, no time has passed hmm. since he died, yeah. right? Yeah. But in terms of our lives, a lot of time has passed. It let us sort of entertain the idea of him being dead. Not believe it necessarily. Some people believe it, some people didn't, but we entertained it for longer. I think if you watch the show straight through, it is basically episode nine and ten, the way you talked about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right? That, if you just I saw some. It. I don't remember who. I saw someone say like for you know the binge watchers of the future, and let's face it, the show it, as it lives on into the future, that's just how it's going to be consumed of for course, right. the majority of its of its lifetime. Um, this isn't going to play as a twist or anything to people or as a shock because two hours later in their binge session, he's going to be back. He's not even going to have right. been dead to them. Um, and I, you know, and that's and I know people who are binge watching through all of Game of Thrones right now, like to get to where people are. So mm-hmm. it, it's exactly what's going on as we speak. Yeah. So I mean, and any creator, kind of, you know, I don't blame people for not really thinking of this, but it's nobody. Nobody really thinks of you know how is this piece of art that I'm making. You know, I'm thinking about how people are going to react to it now, maybe, and this is truer of TV shows, but. Um, you, you you don't really think about the fact that people are going to watch this in, you know, 2035 on whatever streaming platform and how is this going to play for them? Because why, you know, on some Who level, cares? it's like, why do I care about people in, in the future? I'm thinking about now and how what, what are people doing now? Um, right. But then at that point, it's it's out of your hands. And, you know, it's 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 why shows like Spartacus are just so much better. Uh, <laughs> No, but really, I mean, Spartacus has, like, those amazing, you know, gripping endings, but they never played anything. The seasons ended. Each season of Spartacus is a story that ends. And, like, there's the overarching, you know, Spartacus trying to, you know, in the rebellion and all the rest of it, which you sort of anticipate going on more. But because it's a true story, loosely, uh, because all of that, you sort of like, eh, well, I know it ends, but like, I'm more interested in these individual personal arcs that are going on through the seasons, and then they just end at the end of this. It's not like this where they they, they would never have killed a character off, um, or they, I mean, they do kill characters off, but like that's the end of that character's arc, in a way. Yeah. And, like they wouldn't do what they're doing with Jon Snow. They wouldn't. They wouldn't like leave cliffhangers like that. That doesn't happen really in in Spartacus, and I think a lot of good shows don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, not to say Game of Thrones is a bad show, because I still don't think it's a bad show, but um, I think that that's, you know, so that's the difference. And so, therefore, you can watch Spartacus season, you know, random season, see just that season, and it's a contained thing. Um, and it doesn't feel like it loses something in the binge. Um, although, I got to say, waiting for it week to week was also really fun. <laughs> in any case, uh, the most important thing about this episode, and the best thing about it, uh, is there was no Dorn. Yes! Oh, so exactly. Know, there you go. I was, I was, you know, just a plus for me. No Dorn. <laughs> exactly right. And you if this is a sign of things to come, what if there's just no more Dorn? <laughs> what if Dorn is just over? How great would it be if the just the end of all Dorn storylines is 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 the Sand Snakes assuming power, and we never hear from Dorn again? Oh man, that would be great. That'd be Unfortunately, awesome. I do not think that's the way they're going. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can dream, right? <laughs> you can dream. Um. <laughs> That said, looking at the synopsis for next week, which I won't reveal if people haven't read it or don't want to know, um, next week is Oathbreaker. Yep. And uh, there's no mention of Dorne, so that's good. That's good. Let Let's hope that uh, that that's true, and we don't have to do with <laughs> Dorne anymore. Um, and uh, so Oathbreaker, and you had uh, an interesting theory about next week. Oh yeah, um, this was before uh, episode two aired. 
correct. But right. What I said was, you know, episode three is called Oathbreaker. Um, maybe that refers to John gets brought back, and he hears about what's happening in Winterfell or with his uh, with Sansa and everything, and we and we know that Ramsay is preparing to attack Castle Black. Uh, what if he like, you know, he he says, "Well, I'm going to leave the Wall. I have to go, you know, defend Winterfell." Right. And this is that obviously, could still be true. Yeah, this is obviously him breaking his oath to the Night's Watch, but true, right. but um, because he died, he is no longer bound by his his Night's Watch oath because mm. his the watch it says. Well, then he's know, not breaking the oath. Then. Well, exactly. This is why this theory is kind <laughs> of shaky. But this is what I think is going to happen in in general. I think it's going to be a thing where because he died and his watch shall not end until his death, uh, his watch is ended, so he can do whatever he wants now. But then that also means he's not Lord Commander anymore. Well, that's going to be, you know, he, I don't know if he might reassume power because Alistair was Lord Commander for all of ten minutes. Who knows? Right, 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 right. One important thing, or maybe they'll have to vote on it and somebody else will become... Um, maybe. Maybe maybe this is where Sir Davos... We, you know, I would like that. Cause Dav- was- yeah, because Davos has nothing... I don't know if he's heard about Stannis yet, but he has nothing else going on if, now that Stannis is dead. He'd be a good. I assumed he had. That's why he was going to Melisandre because he's like. Although, cares now. if he had heard about Stannis, then he would have heard about what Melisandre did to Stannis' daughter, and he wouldn't have gone to Melisandre. Doesn't he know? I thought he knew about that. I don't. I, he he can't possibly because I think if he knew that he that she burned. No, no, he has to know because remember that whole scene in the tents with the stag and all. He knew what was happening to her. No, no. With the implication of no, because he left before that happened. They sent him away. They sent him back to I the wall. He was, he no, they sent him back himself. to the wall before that happened. That whole scene was that um, that he uh, had no idea what was about to happen. I thought he was trying to comfort her, knowing that that might happen. No, no, oh, okay. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he has no idea. Because, like I said, like if he knew that that happened, there's no. I don't think there's any way he would have trusted Melisandre with anything. You, I would prefer that. Uh, it's gonna be horrible if he finds that out, though. That whole thing. Yeah. Um, so I guess what well, he just thinks that they're you know they might have won that fight. He doesn't. Yeah, really know. I mean this is you know this. Think about how much time has passed. Oh no! Well, I think he must know that they lost because Melisandre came back, but Melisandre hasn't told him <laughs> all the details. Oh yeah, why would she divulge that? Yeah, but didn't she tell him something when she arrived? Like Stannis is dead or something? Yeah, no, he he must know that Stannis is dead, but I don't. Oh, he has to know because she was talking about how she saw victory in the fire and that didn't. Yeah, happen. exactly. So, so she must be. Like, she must have just left out one or two. And details. I'm sure her, his first question would be, "Where's Stannis?" But also, "Where's?" Uh, whatever her name is. Shireen. Well, yeah, and I maybe, who knows, maybe she just said, oh, Shireen died. In... Or went with her, her mother. Yeah, exactly. She could have said any number of things. I don't think uh, It's kind of weird not to put truth. that scene in, though, after they had that whole... Just a quick line, just so we could have some closure on what... I, I would imagine he would be pissed or, like, yeah. want to know where is she because he was concerned about her. Yeah. Um. So I guess we'll see on that. Um. So, yeah, Oathbreaker. The other possibility is that... Uh, it's just about uh, Brienne and yeah. the sword. Bri- Brienne's sword breaks in half. Well, it breaks in half, or it just, you know, she uses it occasionally. <laughs> um, one last thing I wanted to mention, I didn't mention earlier when we were talking about Ramsay, because you reminded me when you said Ramsay wants to attack the wall. I had said a while ago that there was an interesting parallel between... The only interesting thing about Ramsay to me is that Ramsay's a bastard, and though he's been legitimized, kind of, he still always was, eh. Hmm. Um, so, and John. And I found it so compelling when he was talking to Roos about John, and he's like, uh, 
he's like he's a Stark, and Bruce was like, no, he's not. He's a bastard, and 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 uh, Ramsey's like, no, he we he's basically a Stark. He will people will unite around him. We need to make sure all the Starks are dead, whether or not they have the name. But you could tell that it meant something to him. Yeah, and I don't know if he's I don't know that he's like, oh, I'm like John in a in a friendly way. <laughs> yeah, but he's he certainly he he sees the power in that. Yeah, um, in you're, being the you're, son yeah. of a lord. So I dug that. I dug that element to it, and I think if they have a showdown, that would be cool. Mm. Uh, it's sort of weirdly ancillary to like you know the White Walkers, which should be John's <laughs> main focus. But, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, that's that's kind of an interesting point too. Um, my last question is, uh, where is Brienne going with with Sansa? Where are they trying to get to? They're going to the Wall. I think they're also going to the Wall. I think so. Yeah. Oh right, because. That's what Theon was saying. I would have taken you all the way to the wall, but then they're also going to the wall. Okay. All yeah. right. That's an interesting choice. That's going to be an interesting combination. Mm. It'd be cool to see Starks reunite if that ever actually happens. Yeah, finally. It would be the first time <laughs> in forever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. I think that, that about wraps it up. Yeah. Next week is Oathbreaker. I will talk to you then. 